This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And now we're going to do some stock market work. And we have Jack Perusian, founder and chief economist for UCX and chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group. And we have Jim LeCamp, Senior Vice President of Investments at Morgan Stanley, two old friends. Gentlemen, um, first of all, a happy and holy Easter, and I don't know if it's applicable, but Passover as well. You can throw in all that you want. I want to do a little work, just a moment, as we had um, some discussion of this earlier in the show uh, with Charles Payne. Uh, but I want to go back to Elon Musk and his noble quest to take over Twitter and create some free speech, a true free speech movement uh, on a social media platform. And um, I'll begin with Jack Perusian. Jack, can Elon win this battle? they got defensive poison pills. The Twitter people are quaking in their boots. They ought to be quaking in their boots because he'd probably throw all of them out. I don't know. I have to find some nine-year-olds. You know, Larry, we just had this conversation yesterday with some friends. I'm wondering if he really wants Twitter or if he's just playing games here. Yeah, sometimes you start to see certain things. Uh, the fact that he put 420 in the bid. All right. Uh, you know, these are these were little jokes he used to play back in the old days. Remember when he talked about taking uh, t- uh, his company? private at $420. These were all inside jokes that had to do with cannabis, that had to do with him and his uh, you know, Jack. rich friends doing what they do. Jack. No, Jack. They, they are. Jack, he Come wants on. it. He wants it, Jack. He, well, Trust me. He you wants know what? It. If, if he wants it, if he wants it, then, then he's he, going to end up he's going to end up getting a problem, child, because well, they're going to swallow a poison pill. They're going yeah. they're going to take this thing down and you're going to do that people are going to bury that stock if that happens. Now, if he really is the white knight that some people think he is, and he's going to take that and turn it into the national free forum that all of us really want it to be, all right? If that's the real case, right. then, then, then it's going to happen. They're going to have to do it because if, they, if he pulls back on this, the stock's going to collapse. It's a terrible business model. They're losing customers left and right. And and Jim LeCamp, you know, help me out in this. I mean, Berusian just got off on the completely wrong foot, so we need to straighten this out for our <laughs> listeners. Okay. It, now it 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 may be a protracted battle or not. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. They got Morgan Stanley on one side, on on Elon's side, Goldman Sachs, and and, and Charles Payne said, you know, Goldman Sachs late last year issued a sell on Twitter, which is, I think, hilarious. They're representing them in this battle. But, I mean, Elon can raise the cash. I mean, if he takes this over, it's a revolution. That's the point. It's a free speech revolution. Who knows? Google, YouTube may be next. Um, Whatever it's called, Facebook, Meta may be next. I mean, this is the most exciting thing. You know, I agree with you. Um, I think it's very exciting. Uh, It it got to where we were almost having to throw in the towel on free speech. The the odds were were so terribly against us. And 
and and now we have somebody who at least is calling attention to it. I've never understood why any business, I don't care what it is, I've never understood why any business would deliberately want to exclude 45% of their pop of their potential audience. I mean, it's right. that's a bad business model. And Disney's uh, really veering towards that trap as well right now. And uh, look at the ratings at uh, some of these uh, cable news networks, uh, how they've really plummeted. And you just – America's too big of a country. You've got – Way too many uh, potential customers, clients, uh, payers there, and you're going to deliberately not only uh, hack them off, uh, but deliberately exclude them. And 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 you look at Twitter, you've got a whole bunch of bots on there, and mm-hmm. this has become a thing that's been dominated by left-leaning journalists and bots. And it's not. It's a like you said. It's a terrible business model, but it could be. A great business model if they rechanneled that, reopened it, and made it a free speech forum, which is sorely needed here in this country. Boy, Jim McCamp, this is your finest moment. I mean, you saved us <laughs> from the Berusian assault. It's absolutely your finest moment. And I want to say also, um, uh, this is a shot across the bow, not only for the other uh, left wing social media companies, but I think this is a shot across the bow for all the woke CEOs out there. You mentioned Disney, which is a great example, but that's, you know, this all of a sudden conservative investors. Now, you know, Elon's a, not a, a true conservative. He's a, he's a libertarian, but that's fine. In this case, that's super fine. But you're going to see investors rebel. Why? Because woke CEOs and woke companies are bad for their businesses. That's the point, Jack Brugia. They're just bad. Disney is a perfect example, but there are lots of other examples. You know, I remember Delta Airlines uh, fighting the Georgia election law and losing the All-Star game in Atlanta, which, of course, caused you know hundreds of millions of dollars to the black businesses in Atlanta. That's what they accomplished on that one. So I think this is a terrific thing. Uh, and I'm going to give you one more opportunity to repent. And, uh, you know, this is Easter weekend <laughs> and try to resurrect yourself. Well, well, by the way, happy Easter to you on that note. And, yes. and uh, yeah, well, yes, I, I think that what we're seeing is the pendulum swinging hard. Uh, yes. You know, in fact, it's it's something that you're seeing in, in every boardroom because, you know, quite frankly, the discussions that are taking place today are different than they were two, three years ago. And, uh, you know, and, and three years ago, it was a question of, OK, what is our liability to this generation that is telling us that we're not woke? Today, the, the discussion is, you know what? I think that we have to go beyond this. And then I've heard these discussions taking place. And, and now it's getting to the point where the boardroom is getting divided. And we're seeing that. There see, you see people, and it's just as divided as we see politics in today. It, it, it's, it's, very, it's very strange. I've never seen this in all my times sitting on various boards. Yet we're seeing a division at these board levels. It used to be that those that were pushing this woke agenda were winning. But now, again, that pendulum is swinging. And what people are saying at those board meetings and, and at those – in those minutes, and they're, and they're putting them in the minutes, is that this is not good for business. Hmm. It is not good for shareholders, and it is not good for the future of what we are trying to do for our vision and our mission statement. These are important things that are being said. 
Yes, they are. Well, let's go to the stock market directly now. I want to ask it. I want to go into the issue of interest rates and real interest rates. Jim LeCamp, is the bond market in, in a state of transition? The 10-year got back up to 280-something uh, this past week. As the Fed pulling back, no longer supporting bond prices, okay? So the Fed is, is going to be letting their bond holdings run off in their they have belated, to in, in their belated attempt right to, to to deal with the inflation crisis um what does this mean for the for market rates i'm not interested in the fed funds rate i'm interested in the 10-year and the 30-year and also the 30-year mortgage rate which has gone through five percent is this a transition to much higher rates they first of all they have to let long rates go a little higher even if uh they're they're doing some sort of reverse operation twist because they do not want to aggressively hike into a flat or an inverted yield curve. So they got to let the 10-year, especially the 10-year, because, as you know, the two tens or the three-month tens are what everybody's going to be watching. Forget the 510. They're not going to pay attention to that too much. Two tens and three-month tens. And, uh, yeah, you know, we, we started to invert a couple of weeks ago, and now, now they've let them go higher. But the inflation numbers have, have justified that. I mean, the inflation numbers have continued. I mean, we, we've had one or two misses, but for the most part, the trend has been substantially higher. I think you could see the 10-year go to 305 or so. Mm. And then I think you'll see it. Now, remember, that's where it topped out, topped out a few years ago. Uh, then I think you'll start to see it calm back down. I don't think we're looking at chronically higher rates. I don't think the economy can support a 10-year at 5%. Don't think that's going to happen. Uh, there's still no money velocity out there. Consumers' uh, savings rates have plunged. Uh, higher gas prices are taking – that takes money out of people's pockets. So uh, you are going to see uh, this calm down at some point, but not yet. Uh, probably not till maybe the fall. Jack Bruzen, in one minute before we take a break, what do you think about the tenure? Well, first of all, I think Jim LeCamp was spot on with his analysis. Uh, I do think that we see it move up towards 3%. Uh, and the other thing that we want to pay attention to is not only the, 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 the price, but the speed, the velocity at which it goes. That's what's scaring people. That's, what's, that's why we're starting to see a repricing in stocks. It's the velocity by which these interest rates are moving rather than where they're going. Well, you're both wrong because the tenure is going to three and a half or four minimum. You're going to have to have real rates, folks. To attract interest, you're going to have to have positive real rates. We're nowhere near that. I mean, I had Laffer on earlier in the show, and we talked about this. You're, you're running an 8 to 10% inflation rate or worse, and you're telling me people are going to want to buy 3% tenure? I don't see it. I mean, with the Fed, not in the U.S., but you're, around the world, you're, you're assuming you've got you're investors around the world that that look at a ten-year at three and say, "Hey, uh, relative to where rates are in Germany or or, or elsewhere, uh, the the three-year on U.S. Treasuries and that three percent uh, on U.S. Treasuries is a higher yield than the, what they're going to get in other yeah. government no, bonds." No, it's terrific. It's like minus six after inflation. All right, let me take a quick break. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Perusians, founder and chief economist for UCX, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Group. Jim LeCamp, senior vice president at Morgan Stanley. We come back, I'm going to give Jack another shot at commodities. That's his specialty. And I don't know, adjusted for inflation, stock prices are actually going down much more than people think. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. 
Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking stocks with Jack Berusian, founder and chief economist for UCX, chairman of the Global Smart Commodity Fund, and Jim LeCamp, senior vice president investments at Morgan Stanley. Gentlemen, welcome back. So this is another point that Art Laffer made at the top of the show. This inflation is distorting stock prices. And just to take a look at this, the S&P 500 year to date is down 7.8%, call it 8. But the CPI for the first three months of the year is 11%. So actually, the loss in real terms is closing in on 20%. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'll start with you, Jack Berusian. I mean, people, this, you know, inflation distorts everything. It distorts real interest rates, but it also distorts stock prices. The market is actually in worse shape than it looks. That's the point I'm thinking about and wanted you to get a comment on. I think think you're absolutely right. In fact, you know what Dr. Laffer taught us? Uh, Inflation is a prosperity killer. It's one of the four prosperity killers. That's one of the things I tell in my my speeches all of the time. Good Uh, comeback. But... uh, but, one of the things that we want to pay real close attention to, especially in commodity world here, uh, is how prices look out in the future. You know, uh, what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, that shock, that 20 percent that you just said, um, has, been, has been the culmination of everything that has been taking place over the course of the last six months. What we see in the futures markets going out a year or two is a completely different story and, and basically verifies what, what we're, we were just hearing from Jim about a 3% tenure because, quite frankly, we're looking at disinflation coming our way. We're looking at crude oil that's down 15 to $20 lower two years from now than it is right now. And, that, and crude oil is, is, is an exception because that is more a, a factor of, of a horrible policy uh, that's come out of, out of D.C. And I don't even want to get into that right now. But when we look at soybeans, look at lumber, look at the staples that people are talking about that are really affecting their daily lives right now when they go to the grocery store. Those markets are telling us that we're probably at peak inflation right now, mm-hmm. and I hate using that term. But more than likely, we're going to see disinflationary pressure work in. And, and not only that, remember, you're talking about the, the people in technology that have come out. Uh, you know, Intel came out and told us we still have another 10 years of Moore's Law, which is going to make things cheaper and faster. And if that's the case, you know, look for more automation. Look for more Elon Musk's. Uh, to come out of the woodwork and, 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 and change the way we're leaving our lives. But, but having said that, and I don't want to get too philosophical, looking at the markets themselves, we are looking at what looks to be disinflationary pressure hitting the markets within the next two years. And if that's the case, look for that 10-year to probably cap off around that 3 3.5%. But Jim, uh, it's an interesting point. Commodity futures are actually trending lower. Jack, what's the timing? Which contracts are you looking at now? When does it start? When does the backwardization start? It, it starts right away. Like for example, if you look at soybeans, soybeans you know settled at sixteen eighty one. Uh, you know you can go out two years to, to May of twenty three, and they're trading down under fourteen eighty. Uh, you know, but but if you look two or three months from now, they're trading cheaper. A year from now, they're trading cheaper. So, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to the contango that we would usually see, uh, mm-hmm. which is prices going higher over time. So all of that, it really gives me the feeling that, that not only are the commodity prices, um, you know, mispriced, and we're going to see a repricing, but with it, what you were talking about is that stock market. Everything that has been artificially priced 
the bond market, the commodity market, the stock market is all going to be repriced. And we're in the middle of it right now. Jim LeCamp, what are stock futures telling us, these index futures telling us? Well, uh, in the short run, the stock futures look terrible. Um, the, and uh, we are, you could argue that the semiconductor index has sold off enough that it's going to test the support level. But it, it, when I look at the, the, the chart on the futures on the, on the uh, NASDAQ and on anything related to technology, those charts are not ready yet. And investors need to be very careful. The only place that people have been able to hide are um, defensive stocks, which are, are now selling at pretty high premiums to their historical evaluation rates. And so the only place to hide has been in the commodity-related areas. Hmm. But we're not early. I mean, it's, it's, we're at least in the seventh inning here. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not early in that game, so you have to be a little careful even about those. But we're, we're loaded up in energy, and uh, we've got some of the agriculturals. The fertilizers have been strong. Those have been the only places to hide. The charts on the, the uh, S&P, the Dow, um, the NASDAQ futures still do not look ready to be bought. In fact, to me, they look like they want to go lower. And let's not forget, we're about to enter that May through October time frame, which is historically uh, more volatile and less rewarding for stocks anyway. And uh, with the Fed set to hike 50 bips in May, maybe another 50 in June, uh, it's going to be uh, pretty volatile. I think we need to be more selective. Remember, when the Fed was adding liquidity from 2008 on, it was just an asset allocation decision, throw money in stocks. So stock picking really wasn't rewarded that much. It was really about uh, playing along with the Fed. Now we're in a time frame where the Fed's pulling liquidity, and stock picking is going to become far more similar to what we saw in the late 70s and early 80s, where certain groups do well, while the indices may not do so well. And I think investors need to be aware of this. Jack Rusin, what are the food commodities, the ag commodities telling you? Well, they're telling us the same story. They're telling us that, that the market is coming off in the future. But, you know, it was something that Jim just talked about, the fertilizer stocks, which are very important. That it seems to be one of the driving factors in the markets right now. When you go down to southern Illinois, when you talk to these these uh, corn and soybean farmers, they will tell you their biggest concern right now are fertilizer prices. So uh, you know, if, if there is anything that we should is that be because about, of the uh, is that because of the spike in oil? That is because of the fact that we import more of that fertilizer from Russia. Oh. Uh, and the Ukraine. And the Ukraine. They're number one and number three. That's right. Mm. That's right. Huh. And, and a lot of those decisions were made because, quite frankly, we didn't want to do the mining here. Uh, yeah. And we didn't want to even take it from our neighbors up in Canada. Uh, you know, where All right, we kids. A lot of the podcasts. Jack Berusian, thank you. Jim LeCamp, thank you. Happy and Holy Easter, everybody.